When April and Andy bring Champion home, April tells Ben that the dog is good at everything except what? Answer at the end of the episode. Hello! Welcome to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast that once had a format, but when that format got stale, things were changed up a little. My name is Brian, and I'll be your host. If this is your first time listening to the show, thank you. This is episode number 27, being recorded Wednesday, August 18th, 2021. Today I will be discussing Season 5, Episode 10, Two Parties. If you'd like to contact the show, you can email citizensapawnee at gmail.com. You can also follow and message the show on Instagram at Citizens of Pawnee Podcast, as well as my other page at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you find your podcast now. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. Okay, so let's get right into our filler segment here. Got a tournament update for you with the at Parks Rec memes. Best quote for Jen Barkley. It's one we wrapped up this week, and that quote was her saying to Leslie, and you can trust me because I don't care enough to, about you to lie. Okay, so that was the winner. <clears throat> Uh, admittedly, I was going to have Poncho, Poncho on the bracket, but uh, based on the responses from people who didn't see it on there, I'm sure it would have won easily. Yeah, that was uh, obviously Poncho is it's like her her super easy quote. I mean, it'd be like Tom or uh, Donna saying treat yourself like that's going to win automatically. Admittedly, though, I just forgot to put it on. So <laughs> here's my confession. That was on accident. Um I didn't do that purposely. However, I kind of told some people, oh, yeah, I guess it's good. It turned out that way. But uh, anyway, um, I will be starting another one tonight, probably. And I think I'm going to be doing Ann Perkins next. So head over to at Parks Rec Memes to vote. So I also forgot to give a shout out and a big thank you to my buddy, Phil. He is the Instagram user at the Real Cookie Crisp Wizard. I talked about Phil uh, a couple weeks ago. He uh, emailed the show, too. He's a big fan of April Ludgate. But anyway, Phil found and sent me the Parks and Recreation special that I have been seeking out for the last 26 episodes. Um, I hadn't uh, I did see the episode when it aired uh, about a year ago, but not since. So maybe I will review that someday. Um, again, I've, I've talked about the episode in the past. It's not a great episode. I mean, it was it was nice. It was nice that they did it. But it just it, I mean, it was just, it was it was it was for a good cause, so I'll say that. But the episode itself was was fine, I guess. Um, okay, so I said before that I was going to break down and discuss the episode two parties. Why am I doing this, you ask? Well, again, I just ran out of relevant characters to discuss. <laughs> so please let me know if there's any characters that I missed that you want to hear about. Again, you can email me at citizensapawnee at gmail.com. Um, and yeah, like I said, I ended with, you know, April and Ron. I had 24, 24 character episodes, I believe. Yeah, in the last two were Ron. And I thought I could go a lot longer with the characters. But as I look at the numbers for the shows, like the ones I started doing towards the end when it was dwindling, like uh, Dr. Saperstein and Trevor Nelson and Barney and Sewage Joe, like the numbers got kind of low on there. So I think people were just kind of like, all right, dude, we get it. So Again, if there's any if there's anyone I missed, if you want me to discuss that character, I would love to do it. So just let me know. And like I keep saying, I do want to one of these days do an episode about the actual citizens of Pawnee, like all the townspeople, the ones who don't some of them who we don't really know by name. So uh, anyway, 
So over the weekend, I got a little bored and I threw out a question on both Instagram pages and simply asked, what's your favorite Parks and Rec episode? Now, since this wasn't done as a poll because it's not a pick this or that, I'm literally asking people out of 125 episodes, tell me which one is your favorite. I had to tally every response I got through DM. <laughs> uh, after a while, it just became madness and I had to... Uh, I had to close the thing down after uh, about 600 responses because I was, uh, I don't know, I just figured that was a good enough sample size. And there are over, uh, like with the two pages combined, there's close to 32,000. So uh, yeah, if I kept going and uh, letting every single one of them pick theirs, uh, this would be going on for another like month or so. So anyway, like I said, it was right around 600, actually it was 587. And then if you add in the the citizens of Pawnee responses to uh, from that Instagram page, probably closer to, uh, you know, like 595, something like that. So anyway, um, so, yeah, I uh, I asked those questions or I asked everyone, what's your favorite Parks and Rec episode? The, the responses came in and here is the list of the top 10 favorite episodes of Park and Rec as Parks and Rec as voted on by all of you, starting with number 10. Number 10 is Season 5, Episode 10, Two Parties, again, which I will be discussing today. Number 9, Season 4, Episode 8, Smallest Park. Number 8, Season 3, Episode 16, Lil Sebastian. Number 7, Season 3, Episode 9, April and, Nancy's fan April and Andy's Fancy Party. Season 7, Number 6, wow. Season 7, Episode 4, Leslie and Ron. Number 5, Season 2, Episode 10, Hunting Trip. Number four, season three, episode eight, Harvest Festival. Season four, episode 11. Ah, oh, so sorry. Number three, season four, episode 11, The Comeback Kid. Number two, season three, episode two, Flu Season. And the number one episode as voted on by all of you, season three, episode 13, The Fight. This one and, and The Fight is the Snake Juice episode, which is funny because I would say at least half of the responses that came in just said snake juice. So it's kind of funny to me. Like, I don't know if people just don't know what the name is, but I mean, that that's an easy one. I knew that right off the bat, what they were talking about. Plus the fight is such a popular episode. It is a really great one. It's not my favorite. My favorite is smallest park, as I've said a million times on this thing. And luckily it just made it in at number nine because I really wanted to talk about that episode. And then I will, like I said, I might, I might, uh, maybe when this is all done, I might just finally do that Parks and Rec special because I know a lot of people didn't see it yet. So, what I have decided to do is break down the legacy episodes, as I've coined them, one per week, starting with number 10, Two Parties. So, here we go. So, Two Parties, directed by Dean Holland, written by Michael Schur, Greg Daniels, and Dave King. The episode aired on January 17th, 2013, to approximately 3.92 million viewers. Not bad. Okay. So I'm, uh, I'm literally, I'm just going to kind of break down this, this episode scene for scene. So the cold open starts with Ken Hotate coming into the parks department for a meeting with Leslie, Ann, and April, who are trying to get the Wamapoke people involved with Pawnee Commons. He agrees that a playground dedicated to his people will be a fine addition. As usual, Ken screws with the white people of Pawnee, which he usually does with his hard-to-read demeanor. Um, and actually, he what he wanted to do, because again, Leslie, with Pawnee Commons, which is the, you know, the park that she's proposing on Lot 48, 
they want to, Leslie has had a really good uh, relationship with Ken Hotate and she's very um, knowledgeable on the whole history of their tribe. So her and Ken have a great relationship. I really love that. But he still likes to screw around with her and you'll hear a little more in the episode. He does this again and it's so good. Um, but yeah, he tells Leslie that he wanted them to put up a gigantic neon sign for the Wamapo Casino that says, our slots are downright filthy. And Leslie, of course, is like, uh, no, we can't do that. So then he's like, all right, well, we'll just the, the playground's fine. So um, and then he also he does the thing right when he walks in and Ann asks if he wants some water. And he's like, do you mean fire water? That's racist. And, you know, her and Leslie are. And then that slow smile creeps up on his face. So he just like he loves he loves screwing with white people. It is. It's, it's hysterical. OK, so on to the actual episode. Here we go. At the start of the episode, we see Leslie and Anne approaching Chris and Ben at City Hall, talking about the upcoming bachelorette and bachelor parties for Leslie and Ben. Anne mentions that Leslie's party will be stressful, but that they have fun activities planned and that... We've got dancing, jello shots, private karaoke, and anything that can be penis-shaped will be penis-shaped. Ah! As Leslie's maid of honor, I really need her bachelorette party to go well. Which is why I'm stress eating gummy penises. Ben's party will just be the guys playing board games and drinking beers. Though the guys seem miserable, they still agree to play. While setting up for the girls' party at Ann's house, Leslie notices construction going on at Lot 48. Jam and Catherine Pinewood are present as the city is laying ground for a new Burger. Leslie and Jam each had three months to prepare their proposals for the land, and there were still two weeks left. Jam went ahead and ordered the construction anyway. So basically what he did here, and this was in a past episode where they they agreed that, yes, they would they would both have time to, like I said, submit a proposal for what they wanted to do for Lot 48. And Jam just went ahead and did it, which was actually, it was horribly sneaky and despicable on his part. But it was kind of smart, too, because even as he says to Leslie... Yeah, you've got another two weeks or so, but by the time you try to like clear this up, they're all they're already going to be laying the, the foundation, and everyone's going to be so like jazzed up about there being a new Paunch Burger. And actually, as they're even having this conversation, we get a Lurpus sighting, which is Bjorn, and he walks by, and he's the one that's like, "Oh, sweet, you guys are putting up a Paunch Burger." And then April yells over to him, she's like, "They're disgusting, and their food will kill you." He's like, "Yeah, but it's really good." And then Catherine Pinewood, you know, she looks over and she's like, it absolutely is, sir. She's another really great villain that um, I just I don't I feel like they could have used her a lot more. I just I, I think she was great. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and yeah, Bjorn is super happy about the the new Paunch Burger coming by. So back to Ben's party. The game seems to be losing players as Jerry and Andy are watching poker in the background. I will actually get to why that might happen later on in the episode or why those two are not playing. When Ben asks if the guys want to hang out and watch Homeland episodes, Tom suggests that they all go out for a drink at a hot new club in Eagleton. They all agree, but this bar has a catch. They experiment in new ways to consume alcohol. For example, Andy's Bud Light looks like cotton candy. Tom's martini is designed to be cracked open and inhaled nasally. And Ron Scotch comes in the form of a hand sanitizer which he literally puts his hands out and the guy just squirts it in and then starts kind of awkwardly rubbing Ron's hand. And Ron is just looking around like, what the hell is going on? And then we do see another instance of these weird drinks where a, vod a shot of vodka is 
in the form of a uh, like a light beam, like almost like a think Men in Black, you know that thing that they push to make your memory erase. Yeah, because they uh, Tom tells everyone about this drink, and then they all look over, and you just see like like almost like it kind of looks like someone took a picture. So <laughs> it's just ridiculous, but I mean it's 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 very clever on um, the writers' parts. Meanwhile, back at Leslie's party, the fun tone has shifted as Leslie is sad now as she knows that there's not much she can do about Jam. Until she has an idea and goes back to City Hall after hours and collects all of the Wamapoke Indian artifacts she can find. Pawnee has it in their charter that if any land construction revealed Wamapoke artifacts, construction would be halted immediately. This is narrated to us as we see Leslie chucking the artifacts into the construction site and then buying them. Burying them, I'm sorry. It would be terrible if that were to happen on this future Ponchburger site. <laughs> oh, this is bad. I should not have done this. Um, you know what? The weird thing, like when I was actually watching, like one of the big, 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 big problems I have with this episode, and it's not like it's a huge deal. I mean, I still really love the episode, but Leslie somehow does all of this during her bachelorette party. Like it doesn't make any sense to me how, and like, it'll, I'll, I'll probably come back to this again, but yeah, like she's, she clearly was with April and Anne, talked to Jam. They were setting up for her bachelorette party and then they were at her bachelorette party knowing that she wasn't happy about this. And then she went to city hall, got all this stuff, threw all this stuff in lot 48, which is next door to Anne's house. So Leslie apparently left the bachelor party for, I'm guessing like at least an hour with having to go to city hall, get all the stuff, go outside. And I mean, she was chucking this stuff in and then um, actually she had a shovel too. probably just grabbed it off the site. Someone probably just left it around. That's what uh, a lot of construction guys do, but um, yeah, so she was actually burying this stuff. So it really made, like, I'm very confused about that, how she did all of this with, with no one knowing. Okay. So um, back to the party. The stripper named Babe Lincoln arrives and starts giving Donna a lap dance until Leslie shuts it down. April confronts the stripper and knows him from middle school. His name is Glenn, and he used to play the clarinet. Actually, he still does play the clarinet. Sorry. She knew him from uh, like high school, and she's like, hey, man, do you still play the clarinet? And he's like, yeah, like kind of embarrassed about it. And she's like, so how are things going? You know, knowing that he's a stripper. And I don't like a lot of strippers make a lot of money, but clearly she was like trying to do it to shame him just because she's a jerk and he just really gets depressed. He's like, <laughs> okay. At Ben's party, the guys all realize that none of them have ever had a bachelor party. Chris comes up with the idea that everyone gets the bachelor party they want. One activity per bachelor. The club Tom suggested has now become his bachelor party. He declares that Rihanna is his new wife in this new weird marriage world he has set up for himself. Back to the other party. Leslie confesses to the ladies that she buried the artifacts. And all right, so this this is what I was just talking about, how like they come back here and this is them confirming that no one knew Leslie did this. So again, like I still do not understand the writing here. And like she somehow did all of this during her own bachelorette party and no one noticed she was gone. <laughs> So I, I'm sorry. Again, that's just, it's kind of bad writing. Like they had to do that. It makes sense for, or it works for the show. But when you really think about it, it's like, okay, that, that's kind of dumb. She enlists the help of April, Anne, and Donna to help dig up the old artifacts. Now back at Jerry's bachelor party, which is at his favorite ice cream shop, Sherm's, 
This is where he met Gail. She had big breasts, long legs, slender. Ugh, not my type at all, as Jerry said. Two running jokes come at, <laughs> sorry, two running jokes come immediately in this section as first, Ben tries to figure out how Jerry and Gail's marriage ever happened, something that has boggled his mind since he met her. Um, this is kind of like Ben being the only one who doesn't understand the little Sebastian praise, which I think is really funny because I think there's there might be like a comment or two about Jerry's wife, but Ben's really the only one who is like, what the hell is going on here? Like Jerry Gergich is married to um, Christy Brinkley. Like, I mean, just, you know, it, it's not that it's all, all all about image and everything, but it is, it's funny that no one else really, they're just like, oh, hey, Gail, 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 you know, and Ben is the one that's like, what? the hell? Like, this doesn't make any sense. So sure enough, he asks Jerry right off the back, like, oh, and what's the story with your marriage? Wait, was she dying and you saved her or something like that? And, you know, so that's one of the running jokes is just Ben's uh, constant confusion over Jerry's wife. And then the other one comes when typical Jerry has a goof and drops his ice cream. However, this place truly is his favorite as Sherm the owner slash store runner arrives from behind the desk out of nowhere and gives him a brand new cone, telling the guys discreetly that Jerry always does this. So he has a backup ready at all times. Now, I caught something watching this right now that I never noticed before. Sherm calls him Gary, even after the guys made a toast to Jerry Gergich, showing that Sherm is probably one of Jerry's only friends. I think this is great attention to detail by the writers. So this kind of makes up for the Leslie being gone from her own bachelorette party for an hour. Um, but yeah, uh, his name is clearly Jerry. I mean, like, obviously his birth name is Gary. But at this point in the show, he hasn't been turned into Terry or Larry or Barrett, Mailman Barry yet. So I really love this. Again, the guys immediately, they, they, they give a toast to Jerry Gergich. I mean, it's clear as day. They say Jerry. And then he comes over and he's like, hey, Gary, I got a cone for you. So that is amazing. Like I said, I never noticed that until this time. Like I actually rewound it a couple of times and it was just like, that's awesome. I mean, because this guy Sherm seems like he's another, probably one of Jerry's ilk, like one of the nicest guys in Pawnee. And I just love that. Yeah, this is this place, Sherm's ice cream shop is probably like a safe haven for Jerry where he can go and like. Yeah, he drops his ice cream and no one makes fun of him. No one's going to like, you know, they're not going to put a dollar in the dairy or the Jerry jar. They, um, Sherm just, yeah, he comes out from nowhere and he's got a brand new cone. Even Ben's like, how did you know to do that? And he's like, you know, he drops his cone about half the time. So we always have one on backup. So again, I love that. Okay, moving on. Chris tells Andy that he gets to pick next and he and Andy wants to see a Colts game where they beat the Patriots 49 to nothing. Andy even says right off the bat that his bachelor party dream is impossible, but he tells anyway. So as the others start discussing Andy's pick, you see Chris pull out his phone and call someone named Jim. This Jim just so happens to be Jim Ersay, owner of the Indianapolis Colts, as we are now at Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Colts. Apparently, Chris met Ersay when the two were volunteering to help and mentor Indianapolis teens. A nice callback to when Chris was living in Indianapolis for a few episodes in season three. Uh, yeah, if you remember. And and actually that Indianapolis, or actually this part in the story actually is also maybe a little bit questionable because if you remember that episode Indianapolis from season three, when Leslie and Ron had to go um, out there to get the reward for the the harvest or the award for the harvest festival, and they met Chris in Indianapolis, 
they had to kind of take a road trip out there. So they're in Pawnee or actually, all right. So they just were in Eagleton, which is uh, for Tom's party, which was the neighboring town. Now they're going, well, they went, I'm sorry, Tom's, then they went to Sherm's, then they go to Indianapolis to, to meet the, you know, to meet the Colts. How far is this drive? And this is all in the same, same night too. However, this bachelor party does end in the morning. So, I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. It just seems kind of weird though that they drove that far. But anyway, Chris Traeger is the man and he's making sure everyone gets to, you know, to, to have their party. So this is our first celebrity sighting in the episode. And um, although when I say celebrity for this show, most of the celebrities are athletes or politicians, which you will see in this episode. Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck. Reggie Wayne is a former Pro Bowl wide receiver and Andrew Luck is a former Pro Bowl quarterback. Got to give a big shout out to uh, Mike. You know who you are, buddy. He's my fantasy football teammate. Our team name is TBA, as in to be announced, as in it's been that name for like three years and we can't come up with anything. So we like TBA. Uh, kind of like we and I got the idea actually from Arrested Development, how they kept having fundraisers and they would never know what to call them. So Leslie just or Leslie, I'm sorry, Lucille Bluth just started having them called TBA, like to be announced, like I just said. And people started thinking that TBA was a real thing. So they were just like writing all these big, big checks out to TBA. So I don't know. I always thought that was hysterical. Uh, also, Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck have both been staples of our fantasy football team over the years. So. Uh, it was awesome seeing these two players. And uh, when Andrew Luck retired out of nowhere, literally out of nowhere, like like two or three seasons ago, it was kind of like heartbreaking because I'm not a Colts fan, but I really did like Andrew Luck. So that kind of sucked. He was smart, though. You know, he made his money and he got out before like his head was turned to mush and all that good stuff. And I can say that because I used to play football. OK, uh, so Andy is starstruck and tells Reggie that he got married in his jersey which is a callback to April and Andy's fancy party where he was wearing the 87 Jersey, which is Reggie Wayne's in this episode. He's wearing Andrew Lux Jersey, which is number 12, but again, and he got that Reggie Wayne Jersey from April and she gave him that after he was trying to help her pick out a birthday gift for her boyfriend at the time, Derek. So she got him the Reggie Wayne Jersey, which is awesome. Andy has a dream come true moment when he gets to catch a touchdown pass from Andrew Luck. Next, we see the guys driving around listening to Shoop. I don't know why I said Shoop. It's actually like Shoop. So by Salt and Peppa. Also a callback to when Ben and April had it on in Ben's car in the episode How a Bill Becomes a Law. That's the one where April and Ben are in Washington, D.C. And they were going to take a road trip to Pawnee to visit Leslie and Andy. And they were playing Benji's Summer Jams, his uh, mix CD, and Shoop came on. And that's that's probably one of my favorite scenes just because, like, the dead silence in the air. Because Ben tells her right off the bat, like, no, 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 don't put that in, don't put that in. And she's like, no, I'm going to do it, you know, because April is a jerk anyway. So she just puts the CD on. And, yeah, it's just like, Shoop, 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 And, like, Ben and April are both just sitting there staring in silence. And she looks over and she's like, really? She's like, don't judge me. But anyway... However, it does appear that, well, Chris is driving, so I assume it's his car. So it's kind of weird that he has shoot playing. So it's either Ben's CD, which would make sense that maybe because it's his bachelor party in the first place, he's like, hey, my music. Or it could just be maybe a song that Chris and Ben, since they've been traveling with each other for the last however many years, maybe they both just became a song of that, a fan of that song, Shoop. So again, that was, that was pretty funny. 
Uh, one thing I noticed, though, which isn't a big deal, it was, deal, it was just kind of weird. When they're driving in the car, it is only Chris, Tom, Andy, and Ben. So you don't see Jerry and Ron, which makes sense because six guys wouldn't be able to fit six grown men. And especially with, with Jerry in there, they wouldn't, they probably wouldn't be able to fit into a small sedan like that. However, they did in, in Donna's small SUV because she put people in the trunk and on top of the car in the episode, the fight, if you'll recall. So anyway, I, I just thought that was a little weird. They just didn't really address that, but then we see them in the next scene. So obviously they just took a different car, but it's just something I noticed. The guys call Anne to check in on how their party's going. Anne, April, Leslie, and now Glenn, the stripper, who Donna told, we paid you for an hour, you're going to work for an hour, are now digging for the artifacts. Now we're back with the guys who are at Ron's pick, St. Elmo's Steakhouse. Right away, we get more celebrity sightings, as Jerry accidentally sits at Newt Gingrich's table, thinking the, the server told him this was for the Gurgich party. And then when the guy comes over, he's like, what are you doing? I told you not to sit at this table. He's like, you said it was for the Gurgage party. He's like, I said it was for the Gingrich party. And then Newt Gingrich walks over and Jerry's like starstruck. And he goes, hey, Gurgage, Gingrich, you think maybe we're related? And Newt's just like, I don't think so, Jerry. And then typical Jerry, okay, does his laugh and just walks away. So uh, that was awesome. Nice play on words there with the last names. And then we see Indiana Pacers players, Roy Hibbert and Miles Plumley. Hibbert calls Ben Jello shot, a callback to when the two worked for Entertainment 720. Then Roy says he is paying for everyone's dinner except Tom's because Tom still owes him a lot of money, most likely in reference to Tom and John Ralphio's end of the world party where Hibbert handed out shrimp flutes. And this actually, I like that they addressed this because in that episode or in, in Tom's episode and probably John Ralphio's as well, I talked about that end of the world party, which was awesome but they had like 10 grand to spend on that party, which looking at it probably cost, I'm guessing at least like a hundred grand with, I mean, Roy Hibbert alone, I feel like him being there, that would have at least cost 10 grand just for him being there. And yeah, so that makes sense then that they probably shorted a lot of people on this and are, are still probably uh, paying them back. So the next morning, Leslie remembers that she tweaked or called Sean at Malway tweet. And I don't have to keep stopping here, but this is another thing that I just thought was kind of weird. Like, I feel like there's almost like maybe a deleted scene here. I didn't watch to check. I didn't, you know, check if there was a deleted scene here, but it just seems kind of weird that all of a sudden she wakes up and remembers like, oh my God, I called Sean Amalway tweet. It seems like that could have been another thing. They could have literally just put in there for five seconds with like maybe Leslie, like discreetly making a phone call. So I don't know. It's it's funny. I, and I love that she says, I tweeped. I tweep. Like that's almost like she's tweeting, but like to Sean, I'm always tweep. So it's a tweep. <laughs> love that. Okay. So the lot is filled with reporters questioning Jeremy Jam and Catherine Pinewood. When the artifacts start turning up, the construction is temporarily halted. After some advice from Anne and April. Leslie, I want the Pawnee Commons as bad as you do. Actually, that's not true. You want everything a thousand times more than I do, but we do not want to win this way. Oh, April, I wish you weren't right, but you are. You have turned into a very beautiful, wise, and fertile government employee. Stop. It's kind of weird when she just starts raining compliments on you, huh? Don't try to bond with me. Can't win. So after that, Leslie decides to confess what she did to Ken Hodate. Not what she did to him, but she just <laughs> wants to confess what she did to him, like to tell him, 
Okay. I guess she kind of did it to him because it's his tribe. But anyway, so the guy's all-night party has also come to an end as Chris hands out t-shirts to everyone before remembering that they left Jerry at a gas station in Martinsville. Back to Leslie. She is now off to the side with Ken Hotate as she confesses burying the artifacts herself so that construction would halt. Ken is upset but seems more confused since Leslie has so much respect for Ken and, and the tribe. At City Hall, the guys play pay Chris a visit to present him with the trophy for best man. Since he's never been married, the guys set up different scenarios about when and who Chris could marry. But then Andy silences everyone when he awkwardly sets up this scenario. Maybe it's April. Maybe I die, skydiving explosion, and then you go marry April. And it makes me sad, but if she's going to be with somebody, I'd like it to be you. Strange, but sweet. Only I didn't really die. I was faking it. And I come back. I spy on you from my red Corvette. I'm planning to kick your ass, but I see how happy you make her. And I have to walk away. I have to. And I do, slowly, in a rainstorm. Okay, this isn't really in the spirit of what we're trying to do. But as time goes by, it eats away at me. You're out living it up with my wife. And I'm alone in a cave. Training. Anyone else want to chime in? I thought you were my friend. I thought you were my friend! Okay, what we're trying to say is that you... <laughs> I love that one. And I talked about that last week, actually, in the uh, the underrated moments. Uh, that was one of them. That was a good one. So uh, the, the, the best thing about that part, too, is no one knows. Like, they had a planned thing. So right before that, you know, they're giving examples. And Ron's like, Who's he, who are you going to marry? Maybe she's a fitness nut. And then Jerry's like, maybe she works at a, a juice bar in Snurling. And then Andy comes in and that's when he's like, maybe it's April. And he starts doing that. And as he's telling this weird little story, like Tom, mostly his face is just great. He's just kind of like looking around. Just what, uh, you know, he's making like really confused faces like this is inappropriate. And then if you notice in the thing, like Ron interjects and even Ben comes, cuts in at one time. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, these guys are all like, dude, this is not what we're trying to do right now. However, you know, Andy has good intentions. He just, his imagination ran a little wild there. So Chris is very happy and tells the guys that he just wants to be with someone who values life like he does. Also, he says, dimples are a plus. Back to the meeting between Leslie, Ken, Catherine Pinewood, and Jam. Ken tells them that after examination, the artifacts found weren't possibly able to have been buried that long ago and that it must have been a hoax. As Leslie begins to confess to Jam and Catherine, Ken stops her. He tells Jam that as a citizen of Pawnee, he is upset about Jam going back on his deal with Leslie. He then likens it to the Pawnee settlers taking the land from his ancestors, which makes Jeremy and Catherine very uncomfortable. Then he tells them that the Wam Wamapo Casino has six, six <laughs> paunch burgers, and that perhaps it may be time to take a look back at these contracts. The two then back down. Then Leslie and Ken decide to have a little fun with Jam. In the spirit of fair play, I suggest we put on these authentic Wamapoke headdresses and dance around the table. Absolutely not. That sounds highly offensive. Does it, white man? No. It's not offensive, so let's do it. You first. So clearly, this is not offensive. It is offensive. I am very sorry. That's one of my favorite scenes. <clears throat> it's actually it's a lot better if you watch the, the clip, but... Clearly, this is a podcast, so um, I mean, I could send you a link, but you've seen the episode. So 
anyway, where are we at here? Okay, okay, okay. So then we are back at City Hall where Shauna Malway Tweep approaches Ben about their rotating bachelor party since she's looking for a story after the artifact story turned out to be a bust. He takes her to see Chris, who takes her out to lunch to discuss the story. Now, this is also some foreshadowing there because, like I said before, when the guys are trying to give Chris this dream scenario of his perfect wife, and he says, you know, I just want someone who values life and friendship and and, uh, and then he says also has great dimples. If you'll notice, like Shauna Malway Tweep, Allison Becker, the actress, she's like a poster woman for, for cute dimples. She's got really nice ones. And she also, when she came to Ben and asked about, she's like, oh, I, I heard about this, this bachelor party you guys had. And Ben tells her, he's like, yeah, it's, I mean, there's really nothing exciting about it. And she says, well, you know, it just sounds to me like a great time with a bunch of friends who value each other. And so she basically just lays out exactly what Chris just said. So that's when Ben is like, you know what, here, why don't you come talk to Chris, knowing that Chris is, you know, he he needs a woman in his life. Okay. The cold close shows the guys back at Lucas Oil Stadium playing football with the Colts again. And he kicks a field goal as everyone cheers and the episode ends. So that is the episode, Two Parties. Okay. Very, uh, very good episode. Um, so I am going to actually drop into a little bit of trivia about this episode. And of course, this is taken from IMDb, which, uh, I love their trivia section for movies, TV shows, everything. Uh, even if they're not, uh, they're not true. They're still fun to read. So anyway, again, this is IMDb trivia for season five, episode 10, two parties. The touchdown dance done by Chris Pratt is his personal favorite. It's the same dance he does in Guardians of the Galaxy. So if you will recall from Guardians of the Galaxy, the first one, at the end, when Star-Lord is trying to distract Ronan the Accuser, he starts doing, well, what he does here after he uh, catches the touchdown pass in this episode. I always called it the running man. I think that's what it was called. It's the one where you just run in place, basically. Uh, it was made popular by, I believe, Stephanie Tanner of Full House fame about 50 years ago. No, it was like 25 years ago. No, longer than that, probably 30 years ago. How old am I? Yeah, let's say 30 years ago. So anyway, uh, yeah, I love that one. Okay, this is a kind of cool one. The table that the boys play board games on appears to be the same green hexagonal table, hexagonal table from Michael Schur's slash Greg Daniels' previous show, The Office, during Michael Scott Paper Company. So yeah, you'll notice uh, when they are playing cards, they are, I mean, it's a basic poker table i mean it, so it's not like it's just like oh my god those are the only two hexagon shaped poker tables most of them are like that or octagon you know somewhere where you can everyone has their own uh basically pie piece of a section but yeah in in the the during the michael scott paper company uh that arc there pam and ryan are that's their desk basically they sit at a poker table so that's kind of a cool callback there or maybe it is who knows it might have just been the same prop okay next the board game, Settlers of Catan, is a four-player game, which explains why Jerry and Chris are seen watching TV as Ben wins the game. So it's actually, uh, it says Chris. I wonder if they meant Chris Pratt, but it's actually Jerry and Andy. So, okay, I can see where they screwed that up. But anyway, that's what I said earlier when they were playing the game, and you noticed that the two of them were in the background watching poker. Now, I thought that might have just been like a kind of nice callback because actually over the weekend I was I was with my brother working and he had mentioned that he's 
seeing Chris Pratt do some like card trick type stuff on, on different, you know, like talk shows and whatnot. So I thought that might've been kind of like a cool nod. He's watching cards. I mean, it's a card game. They're watching like a Texas Hold'em tournament, which is obviously a lot different than magic card tricks. But I thought that was kind of like, that might've been it, but it makes sense there actually that the two of them are, aren't playing. So good attention to detail. They probably could have pointed that out though. Cause it actually like when I, when I first saw it, I thought maybe, this is a game where you lose, you know, if you lose, you're out. So maybe they were the first two to get eliminated, but I guess not. Okay. Babe Lincoln at Anne's bachelorette party for Leslie was not the first historical figure or interpretation of to make an appearance at a bachelorette party in a Michael Schur show. Hired by Jim, Benjamin Franklin was hired for Phyllis's bachelorette party in season three, episode 15 of The Office, Ben Franklin. It's a pretty good episode. Another one that actually um, Rashida Jones is in because it's in season three. So uh, yeah, I guess uh, I guess the guys over at uh, Sure Productions or whatever that, I don't know what they're called. Uh, what is he? I should know. It's at the end of every single Rebelli, maybe. Oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. But anyway, um, yeah. So when Jerry drops his ice cream cone, Sherm brings him a new one and says, here you go, Gary, calling Jerry by his real name. So yes, I swear I did not see this first. I actually went to the trivia when I was done writing down all my information. But yes, I love that. Uh, again, that, that's such a great, uh, great scene there. Uh, and then these two, they, they say spoilers, but um, <laughs> they're like during the rotating bachelor party, the party goes to the St. Elmo Steakhouse. Rob Lowe played Billy Hicks in the 1985 film St. Elmo's Fire. So Rob Rob Lowe is uh, part of the infamous Brat Pack, which was most like the, the, the people from a lot of the John Hughes movies, like The Breakfast Club, Pretty in Pink, uh, Sixteen Candles, things like that. However, St. Elmo's Fire, I think, is like the only one I haven't seen. I know I haven't seen it, but I don't know if it's the only one I haven't seen because I don't know all of them that are considered in that group. But yeah, Rob Lowe... Uh, awesome 80s actor and i love that his career has stayed relevant for this long so good for him on that and uh the last one this is kind of dumb it just said first episode of 2013 okay so i guess every one of these trivias probably has this same one for every episode that was the first one in january first episode of 2014 2012 anyway so that is your uh, tri uh your trivia section slash did you know Okay, so a couple of highlights from this episode, things that stood out to me that I really liked. Uh, Ken Hotate in general, I just like, he's, he's a recurring character, but he's in probably 10 or less episodes. I didn't look that up, but he's another character. Actually, I never covered him. He could probably be a, that'd probably be a good one to cover, actually. I think I, yeah, I'll keep that in mind for down the road. But again, just his constant, you know, like how he just, he plays that card so well. And not like he's not like it's not relevant. I mean, like his people were stripped of that land by the Pawnee settlers. And, you know, they show the, the murals in City Hall so often. And earlier in this episode, Leslie actually points out that She's like, well, you know, like uh, we have a bad history with the the Wamapoke. And they show the the scene where, you know, there's a guy strapped to tied up to a, a post and they're they literally have a cannon about a foot away from him and they're about to shoot it. And then there's a Wamapoke Indian laying on a train track and he's about to get run over. And, you know, the one where 
the t- the the Wama Poke man and the white woman got married and they they zoom in and they show this beautiful like painting of a wedding and then they zoom out and there's like a battle going on behind them with like arrows you know being shot in the air and everything so yeah anytime Ken's on on screen I love him the Eagleton Bar essence like I said before I really thought that was I mean it was you're completely watching it like this is absolutely ridiculous like who the hell came up with this but it's still really funny. I mean, like I, I thought it was great. Yeah, how how Tom's Tom's drink it literally it looks like a frozen like ice ball that you and he chisels it open and you just see the aroma come out and Tom's like trying to uh, take it in. Like who knows how much these drinks cost? But since it's Eagleton, it's probably some ridiculous thing. But yeah, I just thought that was a really clever um clever idea there. The um the blurred out penises that they show throughout the episodes because. There is a a really funny scene with April or a line I'll get to in a second, but yeah, how you you heard earlier in the episode Anne's quote where she talked about how anything that can be penis shaped will be penis shaped. So throughout the episode, there's a lot of just all the party hats and just different novelty things at Leslie's party are just blurred out, and I love it when they do that because they did that in the episode bailout when they were at the porn shop at the end when when Dennis Lurpus's video store was turned into a, an adult video store you just I, I love when they do that and I think they did that in, a, in an episode of the office I can't remember where they were in a sex shop so like the whole background was blurred out it was really funny it's just like instead of just maybe picking a different spot to do the the scene they're like nope we are purposely doing this because for me at least I think blurred out stuff and especially when someone swears and they blur out the mouth I think that is one of the funniest things and I just think bleeped out swear words are so much funnier than actual swear words. If I'm watching like an action movie or a drama or like, I guess a comedy movie, that's fine. But on TV shows where it's clearly, you know, a network, you know, and it's, you're on basic cable. I think it's one of the funniest things. I just really do when people swear and it's bleeped out. Um, okay. So yeah, the blurred out penis that I thought were hilarious. I I love too that when they're uh, when they come up with the idea for the rotating bachelor party and all the guys are talking about how they never went on one. When Tom Tom's the first one that says he never had a bachelor party and Chris is like, you never went on one with Wendy. And you know, if you'll recall, Wendy was his the green card uh, marriage. He the girl he was married to that he met in high school. She was Canadian. They got married just so she could stay in the country. And then once she got her green card, they got divorced. However. I love that Tom says, no, you know, like I, I watched the three-way sex scene from Wild Things the night before a few times. So that was almost like, I don't know. It's kind of funny, actually. You think, actually, I don't know why he would have done that the night before. Maybe it was just to get him like worked up or something. I don't know. If you haven't seen the three-way sex scene in Wild Things, it's pre- it's pretty good for its time when it came out. I remember I saw that movie in the theater and um, it was, uh, geez, Nev Campbell, Matt Dillon and Denise Richards, who was like a mega babe, super popular at that time. Terrible actor. But yeah, they had a they had a three way sex scene and um, it, it was pretty good. So, yeah, check that one out. If you uh, if you got nothing better to do that movie again called Wild Things, it is rated R, though. So if you're uh, if you're under 17, maybe watch it awkwardly with your parents. Uh, I also. Yeah. So like I was talking about before the blurred out penises, April. The first time when Leslie calls them out to start digging for the artifacts, April is using like it's she I don't know. She just says, guys, the penises are great digging tools. 
don't be afraid to use the penises. And she's digging with, I don't know, it looks like a plate almost that maybe has like a penis head on the bottom. I don't know, but it's just really funny. She's telling them like adamantly like, guys, use the penises. The penises work great for digging. Um, as I said before, I love the Gary drop by Sherm. Uh, I it's it's in the IMD uh, trivia IMDb trivia, but I'm also like I, I thought it was kind of cool. I caught that one, and I'm sure many people have caught it before, but maybe not. Uh, the Colts players that was a big plus for me because again Reggie Wayne and Andrew Luck were you know obviously two of my favorite Colts, but I'm not a Colts fan, so I guess I if I had to pick a favorite for a team that I'm not a fan of, I am a Bears fan sadly, but um hopefully I don't know, they might be good this year. We'll see. I doubt it, but. Um, since Aaron Rodgers came back, you know, with the Packers, it's kind of the rest of the league's like, shit, like we have no chance anyway. So, uh, yeah, seeing them, that was great. And then, uh, at the end of the episode, when I played that clip for you with, uh, Catherine and Jam having the meeting with Leslie and Ken, when, um, when Ken makes the, he tells Catherine, he's like, oh yeah, you know, there's six punch burgers. Maybe we should go back and check out the contract. She tries to be like a hard ass and she's like, I'm sorry, is that a threat? And Ken, just in his typical, like, he has that 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 kind of like shit-eating grin and he's smiling. He's like, uh, well, yes, I, I thought that was pretty obvious. Like, I just love that. Yeah, he's not, you know, like, she's like, oh, is that a threat? It's not him being like, no, but we're going to do that. It's him straight up saying, yeah, it was a threat. How did you not know that by my tone and by what I said? So I love that he doesn't back down because he's, he's, he's kind of a badass in Pawnee. So... Uh, but yeah, that is going to huh, wrap up this episode. Thank you so much for hanging out and listening. Remember, if you'd like to contact the show, citizensofpawnee at gmail.com is how you can reach me. You can also like and follow on Instagram at citizensofpawnee podcast and at Parks Rec Memes. New episodes drop every Wednesday morning and can be heard wherever you get your podcast now. Please subscribe if you haven't already. Next week, I will be discussing, you know what? I was going to do my drum roll, but I already told you what I would be doing when I told you the um, the order of the episodes, the, the top 10 there. I will be putting actually a release schedule on both Instagram pages on the Citizens of Pawnee uh, official page and then also at Parks Rec Memes. So yeah, for the next nine weeks, we will be covering episodes unless something else comes up in between there that I could, that I could do. So again... Thank you for listening to Citizens of Pawnee, a Parks and Recreation podcast. My name is Brian, and I'll see you next week. And also, I just remembered I didn't even tell you that I will be discussing Season 4, Episode 8, Smallest Park. Did I, or did I say that? This is a terrible ending. Sorry. Uh, okay. Uh, see you next week. The answer to the trivia question, digging is the only thing that champion the three-legged dog isn't good at, according to April.